Hello, gang. It is uh, Wednesday, July 6th, 2016. Uh, you might notice that I am profusely sweating. Uh, you may be able to hear it in my voice as well. I am sick, and uh, I've got that Zika. I don't really have Zika, but it feels like I have Zika. And uh, I am trying to get better. So rather than cancel the chat, I figured I would just uh, do it sick. I'm going to take my medicine here while I have the time. Um, today on the live chat, we're going to talk about, of course, the big stuff. This is a huge fight week um, without really any kind of compare. Uh, UFC 200, Ultimate Fighter Finale 23, and uh, UFC Fight Night 90. And I'm really excited about that one tomorrow. I don't know. For some reason, I get I mean, of course, the big fights you all care about the most, right? UFC 200 is big, but i got to be honest, there's something about these Fight Pass exclusive events, I can't quite put my finger on it, that I absolutely love that uh, that they do. I don't know. All right, here we go. Salud. Arriba, pa' abajo, el centro, pa' dentro. That is disgusting. Mmm. Whew. I apologize for not doing for doing this now instead of earlier, but uh, there you go. I don't know what to say. So I apologize for sweating. I, you know, I don't know what to do about it. It's just I'm hot and uh, I don't feel great. But got to got a soldier on, man. Got to push through. All right. So uh, comments to turn green get priority without exclusivity. You know, you guys know how this work, um, how this works. And uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and get to it now. I'll have to blow my nose occasionally as well. Apologies. First two days, I thought it was allergies. And then like day three, I'm like, you know what? I don't think this Allegra is doing an effing thing. And then that's when I started to feel the weight of the cold itself. All right, here we go. First question is true, false. True, false rematch edition. Oh, these are always tough. All right, let's give this the old college try. Uh, number one, if Wonder Boy and Matt Brown fight again, Wonder Boy wins true if demetrius johnson and dominic cruz fight again johnson wins i'll still say false to that one just because of the size difference if chris weidman and luke rockhold fight again weidman wins it's hard to say man i'll say true but i don't know if edson barboza and tony ferguson fight again barboza wins false if robbie lawler and nick diaz fight again lawler wins i'm gonna say true but Diaz has a major upset potential in that one. Rafael Dos Anjos and Habib Nurmagomedov fight again. Dos Anjos wins. False. If Stipe Miocic and Junior Dos Santos fight again, Miocic wins. True. If Josh Barnett and Ben Rothwell fight again, Barnett wins. I'll say false. If Anthony Johnson and Daniel Cormier fight again, Johnson wins. False. If Conor McGregor and Joe Duffy fight again, McGregor wins. Hmm. Probably. Probably. But I wonder if there's something about the fighting style of Joe Duffy that, even if McGregor wins, that might expose larger weaknesses. I don't know. Hard to say. But this, that was actually really good true-false. Uh, okay. What is the best slash your favorite post-fight interview? Is it? Brock Lesnar drinking Coors Light because Bud Light won't pay him nothing. He might even have to get on top of his wife tonight. That's probably an all-time great. 
Nick Diaz says, I don't think George is hurt. I think he's scared. Where you at, George? It's definitely not that. Ben Rothwell's maniacal laugh, the moo-ah-ah-ah. No, it's not that. GSP getting on his knees and begging for a title shot. That's up there, but no. Ally Aquintas, are you booing me? You better not boo me. That's up there, but probably not. And Nick Diaz, or Nate Diaz, excuse me, I'm not surprised. It's probably a tie between Nate Diaz and then Lesnar saying he's going to get on top of his wife. That's just a, that is such a heterosexual thing to do. All right, uh, let's see. A lot of people talking to each other. is not much of a funny one or anything, but Brian Stan's post-fight interview after losing to Vanderlei in Japan was very classy and gracious in defeat in what ended up being his final fight. Fair enough. What were the true falses today? All right, true false. Ooh, God. I'm tempted to skip it. Fantasy matchup edition. All right, we'll see how this goes. If Nate and Nick fought, Nate would win. False. If MVP fought Wonderboy, MVP would win. False. If Frankie Edgar fought Dominic Cruz, Edgar would win. I don't know, but God, I want to see that fight. Are you kidding me? Frankie Edgar at 135 versus Dominic Cruz? Please, God. If Dominic Cruz fought Josie Aldo, Cruz would win. False. If Daniel Cormier fought, I don't know, but we'll see how we'll see how old Josie Aldo looks, but probably false. If Daniel Cormier fought Cain Velasquez, Cormier would win. False. If a 45-year-old Dan Henderson fought a 45-year-old Randy Couture, Henderson would win. False. Although it'd be... Here's what I would say. If they fought three times, Couture would win twice. How about that? If Herb Dean and John McCarthy fought, Herb Dean would win. No. Jesus Christ, they're all true-false. <laughs> Y'all are just in love with the true false today, huh? USADA made the sport more unpredictable. False. Daniel Cormier versus John Jones betting lines don't show us how big of an upset Jones losing would be. I haven't looked at the odds. Let's see what the odds are. The odds are John Jones is minus 300. Plus 250. Uh, maybe not. UFC 200 main card, excuse me, UFC 200 main and co-main event combination is better than 194's main and co-main. That's pretty close. Rafael Dos Anjos and Eddie Alvarez betting lines are ridiculous. Let's see what those are. Jesus, Eddie Alvarez is plus 285. I don't buy that at all. Dos Anjos is minus 345. Mm. Eddie Alvarez can do a lot, and I really am curious to see um, what he can do when he mixes up his wrestling in there. Luke Thomas is more excited for Lesnar versus Hunt than he is for Cormier Jones, too. I don't know if I'm more excited, but I'm excited in a different way. I'm sort of excited in that uh, childish kind of, let's see what happens with this car wreck kind of way. Daniel Cormier has the most to lose in his upcoming in this upcoming fight week, even relative to who? Do you all hear the ice cream truck? Uh, Jones's emphatic takedowns in round four of the first fight against Cormier made people think that the fight was more one-sided than it really was. Their first fight was a lot closer than what people think. Well, I don't know what people think, but I would agree that there seems to be 
this idea that like Jones ran over him and Jones won and Jones won comfortably, but it, you can make a case that with a few adjustments, Cormier could have made that extremely close or even one. We are going to witness one title change this fight week, at least one. Do you think they will announce the sale of the UFC at UFC 200? If not that one, then UFC 201. Here's a good question. What do you expect to see from Jose Aldo? It seems to be being counted out by a lot of people. Frankly, certainly is tough fight, but it seems to me that a lot of people have forgotten how good Jose has been. That's probably true. It's probably a little bit true to that. There certainly has not been as much examination of him um, in a positive light that there could have been. Uh, it's a combination of the fact that, you know, um, the most recent fight is the McGregor fight, and before that there was this injury layoff. Like, he hasn't had a lot of competition footage recently. Uh, Frankie Edgar, Edgar, of course, is coming off that sensational win over Chad Mendez. But I think I think the general feeling, this is the one that I have anyway, um, and I'm sure people disagree. This is it's a close competitive fight. Like either guy winning would not be terribly surprising, right? Um, I, don't, I can't imagine that it would be. For me, the difference is that uh, Edgar has consistently improved, whereas I feel like Aldo has coasted on the existing gap between he and the rest of the field for a very long time. Now the question is, um, is that gap still big enough to met to matter? Um, is that gap plus any kind of sort of renewed efforts more recently enough to keep distance between him and, and Edgar? Um, I guess we're going to find out, right? I guess we're going to find out, but, um, I've talked to a lot of fighters about Jose Aldo and there was a pretty, not obviously not unanimous consensus, but what I would describe as a fairly wide consensus that the sort of hunger he fought with, um, and the kind of, you know, and this, this sounds like these weird nonsense terms, you know, who wants it more? So-and-so is a winner. That's nonsense analysis. That doesn't mean anything. But when we're talking about competitive fighting, um, the will to win, which is very hard to identify, which is very hard to quantify, but is very real, um, matters a lot. It matters tremendously. And, um, it's not exactly clear that while he might have a strong will to win, has he physically done all the right things to maintain it at the highest level imaginable? Um, I don't know that he has, and I can fairly comfortably say that about Edgar. Now, that's just a matter of opinion. Again, this is very, very hard to quantify. Let's be honest about that. But um, Jose Aldo is carrying with him into this fight a lot of questions. A lot of questions. And uh, I don't really know. I don't know. Are, 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 have we written him off? Has he been... Um, how much of a fluke was the loss to McGregor? Not that he wouldn't have lost necessarily, but obviously in the way that he lost, you know, we're going to find out. We're going to find out. But certainly if you're asking me who has the biggest questions surrounding him, boy, Jose Aldo has to be near or at the top of that list. You know, if you lose to McGregor and then you lose to Edgar back to back, that is a terrible thing for his career. You know, a very terrible thing. And I, I suspect that he, you know, I'm, I'm going to pick Edgar to win that one. Now, it's not merely because I think in some sort of general way Edgar has improved in some general way uh, Aldo has declined. I think there are some tactical things to to consider uh, and st strategic things to consider about um, how they match up that I think is going to be in Edgar's favor. But I also think that it is true to say that you can't divorce the idea of 
Aldo cruising for so long um, from this current status of, you know, what's really there. I think the two, you can draw a straight line between them, you know. Here's a question about who is in whose head, and I shall ignore it. I, mean, I love James. James Glory is a great guy, one of the best commentators commenters we have here on the live chat, but I'm not playing those games anymore. Uh, let's see, Luke. As we all are aware, there are some excellent women's fights coming up in the next few days. But which one of the matchups offered do you personally feel showcases the very best of women's MMA today? And which of the fights gives you the most confidence about the continuing success and integrity of the women's <coughs> of women's mixed martial arts in the future? That's an easy call, man. Um, Got to be that title fight on Friday night, right? Like to have two strawweight fighters who are lower in weight, um, but still have power punching, right? To show they still have the athletic. Di- they're both dynamic athletes in their own way. I think I would say Gadelia is probably a better all around athlete, but you know what I mean. Um, Obviously, NJ Check has pop to see women that small, to see athletes that small who can still tear each other to pieces. Um, and then someone like Adelia who can do everything, who's got big, powerful takedowns, who's got great jujitsu, great control, you know, relentless pursuit of the fight against the cage on the ground, really even in the, sorry, in the stand-up department as well. Um, yeah, it's a very elite way to fight. It's a little bit of a style contrast as well. Someone who's closer to being a specialist in one area. Um but with tools everywhere versus someone who's got a lot of tools everywhere, but maybe isn't necessarily a specialist. I mean, maybe you could call her a ground specialist, but not exactly in the same way. not like a Demi and Maya kind of way. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what's much better about that. You know, one of the things that was really sort of remarkable about Jessica Penny, now it's not the case necessarily right at this moment, but when she was just axing people to pieces, uh, it was that like, you know, she was coming from one of these smaller weights where you didn't necessarily associate guys being, or athletes being able to do that. Even now we have this conversation about flyweights where there's a discussion about the relative lack of power. Why don't they knock each other out? And sometimes they do, right? You know, but it, that there's not, obviously not as common as that is at heavyweight. And again, part of that's just sort of understanding the nature of, um, you know, biomechanics and the transfer of power and everything else. Heavyweights are going to have an easier time doing that. But, um, you know, with these two elite athletes at 115, uh, Gadelia and Jacek, it's, you know, you're going to get everything you want out of a mixed martial arts fight at an elite level. You're going to get everything you want, the grudge match, um, the power, the speed, the strength, the stamina, the skill. You're going to get it all. You're going to get it all. And to me, that's what you want to see. And you're going to get it at a weight class where you typically don't associate those kinds of things um, to be possible. Like it's, there's a lot good about that. More coffee here too. Mm. Starbucks coffee. Only good if you don't know what good coffee tastes like. <laughs> That's such a a whole thing to say, but it's true. Their coffee is not good. Mm. Your boy's got a bunch of fluids here. Because he needs it. Got my Fiji water. And. Because I'm a. Oops. Sorry, Barbas. Because I'm a donk. Got to get those artificial sweeteners in there, player. All right. Canadian Brock. 
Yeah, I had some discussion on Twitter about this earlier. What do you make of Brock Lesnar representing representing Canada at UFC 200? I have seen that some folks seem rather surprised, and others think it is a big deal. Do you? I mean, it's kind of surprising, you know. Um, it's surprising in a way that um, if you sort of thought like almost in a comical, superficial kind of way, you know, what the uh, – Jesus Christ. Give me one second. Let me blow my nose. Sorry, y'all. Sorry. Sorry about that. Um, I'm going to get so many downvotes for all the sniffling. Nothing I can do about it, y'all. Um, all right. It's surprising in the sense that if you if you sort of ask yourself, like, if Mike Judge, the creator of Beavis and Butthead in Silicon Valley and Office, not Office Space, I'm sorry, um, King of the Hill, and, and like, he's one of the, he's one of America's, like, there's no greater critic of American life than Mike Judge. If Mike Judge were to ask you to, like, show you someone who is, like, quintessentially America, but perhaps in a comical, cartoonish way, they'd show you a picture of Brock Lesnar, right? Like, the truth is, America is an incredibly diverse place, and I don't think any sort of one... The, the true fault of America, in, in terms of self-identification, is that people from New York think they are quintessentially American, and people from the Midwest think they are quintessentially American, that there are these other versions of it, but that's the most authentic one, and people from the South do the same thing. And really, the truth is, no one quite has a purchase on the truth of what it is to be American, but certainly you can imagine in sort of a stereotypical way, Brock Lesnar kind of embodied that. Um, and I don't know exactly what his national status is, whether he has, you know, some kind of Canadian citizenship or, you know, um, some sort of uh, legal residency there. I, I don't know what his particular situation is. But anyway, coming out to the fight kit, to me it's surprising, you know. Uh, I didn't think of all the people in the world he would be one to do that. But it doesn't bother me really. Like, uh, we were having this debate on Twitter, or at least this discussion on Twitter about it, and um, people make weird decisions about how they I self-identify um, – in terms of their nationality sometimes. I mean, sometimes it's, and I think most of the time it's quite straightforward, you know. I mean, first of all, this is not even like, he has not renounced U.S. citizenship. This is merely like the fight kit. So in some ways, it's it's a it's a harmless, if you're an American, a harmless nod to a country that he has a strong admiration for. And in many ways, I feel like it's almost, pr I'm almost like proud of him because as an American, I mean, look, again, I don't want to stereotype other Americans because I know there's lots of Europeans listening. And I have found that Europeans most of the time judge Americans without ever really knowing anything about Americans. Like, you don't really know Americans until you've seen the big parts of it. Like, you've only ever been to New York or you've only ever been to L.A. or you've only ever been to Miami or something like that or Texas. You don't really know America. Like, you know that part of America, but they're radically different parts. Um, but... There are, I know, at least in my in my experience, unfortunately, there are a lot of Americans who are, um, who who think about the world in ways in which they, like, they only they they just sort of assume America is the best at everything, and um, they don't ever really do anything to challenge that worldview. And he had that health scare where he was like, "Oh my God, this was the worst healthcare in the world." And it turns out, of course, over time that he had found a place in Canada that was really to his liking. Um, for any number of different reasons. I'm sure a lot of it had to do with sort of preserving his sense of day-to-day uh, -day life and um, his privacy. But, you know, he seemed to really enjoy it, and he seems to be quite fond of it. 
And it's almost to me a sign of personal growth that an American who had these like incredibly backwards views of Canada, which is a first world nation that is absolutely great in virtually any capacity whatsoever that you can measure, uh, except for their horrible winners, um, would then take the time to acknowledge publicly that he has a different view about things after bashing them. I, I kind of am proud of the guy, to be honest. Like, you know, it's, that shows he's actually pretty thoughtful about um, some things, at least enough to, you know, to publicly sort of say things in a different way than you did previously in a way that shows an expansion of awareness, not a narrowing of it. You know, good for him. But look, all, all kinds of people do decisions about national identity that I don't quite understand. You know, Tina Turner didn't merely become a Swiss citizen. Um, she relinquished her U.S. citizenship. Tina Turner, you know, that's a little surprising, right? I mean, she is quintessentially American too in some ways, right? At least or maybe she used to be, and maybe she's not anymore. Here's the point, though. I, it's not up to me or you or anyone else to understand it. This is a reflection, even if it's just for a fight kid. It's not for a citizenship question generally. These are all really private, personal decisions, and this one's manifested in a public way, which is why we're having this conversation. But, um, you know, truth be told, it's not that big a deal. Often these decisions are hard to make sense of without really knowing the person. And in this particular case, I think an American, you know, showing a fond nod to a country that he kind of maligned in a way previously in this kind of um, not permanent, but maybe semi, uh, you know, ceremonial way is a good thing. I think it's a good thing. And Canada should be happy, honestly. And as an American, I, I kind of look at this being like, thank you. Thank you for having a wider view of the world than like default everything America is great. Um, there is, you know, uh, there is a lot about this country that is uh, absolutely spectacular, you know. Um, I love America. I could never not be an American. I could, I've visited, I've been to every continent except Australia and Antarctica. Um, I've been everywhere. I've been very fortunate in that regard. It's a wide world and people to the extent that they can should go out and see it. There are so many things about the world uh, outside of the country you live in that are absolutely spectacular. And some of the things your country does are going to be great, and a lot of it aren't. But just for me personally, I could never imagine not being American. I think it's fundamental to who I am. But that's not the case for everybody else, you know. Um, and people come and go from different countries all the time. And that's it's nationality is in some ways a very permanent, hardened, you know, ossified thing for some people. And for other ones, it seems very fluid. But I wouldn't spend a lot of time trying to make sense of it. Like, how how can he make this decision in a way that comports with my worldview? It's not it's not gonna, and it's not supposed to. It's it's a, it's a very much a personal Brock Lesnar decision, and trying to parse that too much is a bridge to nowhere. Do you think the world will survive Trump's presidency long enough for us to reach <laughs> UFC three hundred? God, oh man. Again, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm really am never going to talk about politics on this one, but you want to talk about an IQ test? Wow. And the truth is, Hillary is utterly unlikable as well. But, I mean, Trump is end times ignoramus bad. He is an all-time, he is, he is, he might be the stupidest person to <laughs> to ever run for national office. I mean, that might be possible. Certainly one of the most dangerous ones. All right. Uh,
four Brazilians will be defending and fighting for belts this week. RDA, Gadelia, Nunes, Nunes, whatever, and Aldo. How many of the four do you think will go home with the belt? One or two. One or two. Definitely not all four. Def- I don't think they're going to go 0 for 4. Boy, that would be bad, man. If they went 0 for 4, wow. I think I think Gadelia has a strong chance. Uh, and obviously, Aldo has a strong chance, and RDA has a decent chance. Noons, I don't know about, you know. I just think it's a bad matchup for her, but MMA's crazy. Anything's possible. <laughs> Upcoming matchups. Who wins? Who wins? Miocic versus Overeem. A tough one, man. Probably Miocic, but I don't know. Rumble versus Teixeira. I like Rumble in that one. Cowboy versus Story. I like Story in that one because of the body work. Hendricks versus Gastelum. I don't know, man. I'm going to lean Hendricks, but I really don't know. Condit versus Maya. I like Maya. Magni versus Stun Gun. Another tough one. Probably Stun Gun, but I don't know. Pettis versus Oliveira. I have to think more about that one. Maybe maybe Pettis. Barboza versus Melendez. I like Barboza. Mayday versus Lineker. I like Lineker. Artem Labov versus Chris Avila. I mean, I don't know. Luke Thomas is excited. Since we will most likely never get to see another Luke Thomas is pissed episode. Can you give us an on-the-fly Luke Thomas's excited segment in honor of International Fight Week? Well, here I am, sweating. <laughs> sweating like Vince Wilfork inside of a sauna. Uh, and I'm still doing the live chat, and then I'm going to get on a bird, like literally right after this is over. That's about the most excitement I can muster. I hope that's enough. But look, if you see me in Vegas, you'll see I'm in a good mood. I'm nice in person. I promise I don't bite. Um... But I mean, look, it's, I was trying to explain to someone that uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to Vegas and uh, they're like, you know, oh, who's fighting on Saturday? And I explained to him, well, it's not just Saturday. It's like Friday and then Thursday as well. Really and truly, like I've got a lot of criticisms of the UFC and the way they do their business and, and, and Bellator too, I suppose. But this is real special. This is super special this week. I mean, Maybe another promoter could try to pull this off and even succeed to some degree. Maybe it'd be possible for Golden Boy to do something like this. Maybe it'd be possible for uh, Golden Boy and Top Rank to work together. I know I'm imagining something, but let's just sort of work together. Uh, Richard Schaefer is back. What's the what's the name of his new uh, uh, enterprise? Uh, Ring Star Sports, Ring Star Promotions. Maybe he could like work together. I mean, maybe in other words, maybe this kind of thing could be duplicated or replicated in some kind of reasonable way to be considered a success. But the fact of the matter is, like, the UFC has done this, and they have done this so far quite well, man. Like, this is a special thing to have back to back to back nights, title fights everywhere. You're maximizing the forums and the broadcast mediums that you currently are tied to and employ pay-per-view broadcast television and your own distribution channel online through online streaming. 
you have relevant fights every night. You've got the fan base whipped up. You've married it to a, a, a fight expo. Now, I don't know how good those fight expos are anymore. Um, the, one I, the last one I've been to was the one in Toronto. So that's been a while. Um, you know, that was when anyone who was a vendor could have booth space. Obviously, that's not the case anymore. But um, in, in any case, just for the UFC to be able to, for a promoter to be able to put on the scale of this is really incredible. From not just that there's fights every night, but then there's all there's this a- ancillary activities, these races, pool parties, these ways to interact with fans. There's charitable events, by the way, going on. Uh, Dan Hardy's in town. A bunch of other guys are in town as well. And there's like charitable acts and giving going on in the town during the day. Now, of course, those are being done for PR purposes as well. But that's not like every brand does that. That's just what that's, that's a common thing. But at least they're doing it right. Like this is a major, major achievement of all the time. Like there was all remember those all those years, like 2011, when the UFC would just like they were put on a lot of shows and they were trying to do a really good job. They've never not tried to do a good job. But if you've got all those muscles, flex them flex them and when the ufc gets out there and flexes it is a show it's a complete show and it's a real testament to their strength this is the kind of thing i've been wanting to see for a long time you know and all those events just kind of blend to each other and one wasn't really all that different from the other i was it was it wasn't fun this is fun this is really fun i mean even the cynical grumpy zika virus infested luke thomas can get up here and say wow like this is really an incredible thing to behold. And it's a lot of work for people in media, but um, you know, you're going to relish events. Like you should be glad to cover an event like this. You should be glad to be having to stay up late and get up early and, you know, be able to experience this whirlwind of just the, the magnitude of it all. Um, it's incredible. It's really incredible. And uh, even if you're not there, you should be really, you should be really quite taken aback by what a promoter is able to do in 2016 or 2016. Excuse me. It's, 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 it's absolutely remarkable. All I've ever wanted from a promoter was to do the best that they could. Give me a reason to watch. Give me a reason to be invested. Give me a reason to give you my money on top of my cable bill and everything. Like, get, get, make, make me, make me do it. You know, give me no choice. Give me no choice. If you like this, you have no choice. You know, make make those decisions in my mind feel that way. And I don't know how you can say they haven't tried to do that with this week. I really don't. Of course, you can nitpick around a lot of different things. No, no, no event and no attempt is without, um, you know. Um, criticism, but geez, Louise, man, this is this is incredible what they're able to put on. It's Northcut. It seems the attention he was getting has died down, but he's still getting an easy opponent, and I'm assuming high pay. It doesn't seem to me though that there's evidence of one day be a top ten fighter. How much longer do you think the UFC will keep its Northcut hype project going? As long as it can until he gets better. Simple. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens with uh, old Northcutt. He seems to be getting a little chippy recently. Have you all noticed that? He's a little bit more pushing back on things in ways before he was a little bit more accepting of it. Like we used to ask him, what do you think about everyone talking crap about you? Oh, man, it's, it's great. It's great. You know, 
And now he's like, ah, eh, it's not so great. Those are losers. I mean, he doesn't use those words exactly, but he's a little bit more forceful in his rejection of those kinds of things. Um, Brock Lesnar. Lesnar is about the same size as an average fully grown female gorilla. Who or what would win in a fight between the two? Oh, the gorilla. I'm imagining. The gorillas are like, outrageously strong. They're outrageous. Like the male gorilla is incredibly strong. The female gorilla, not as strong as that, but still pretty. You ever seen like um, Fox? Old, good old Fox. They used to do uh, <clears throat> these man versus animal competitions. Pardon me, y'all. Um, and they did one where it was a uh, <coughs> it was a gymnast having to go across these like uneven bars, or even just these monkey bars. But it was a set of like bars they had to like you know use their hands to climb over and and uh, navigate through. And it went up against like some random chimpanzee. Like this chimpanzee was not trained. In any kind of specialized way to handle monkey bars. And that chimpanzee smoked him. Smoked him. Like, <laughs> your average female gorilla is going to give the average person, or at least even a, a huge person like Brock, the beatdown. I mean, maybe Brock could, like, do enough to get her to back up, but to the death, I'm going to go with the gorilla. Damn it, I am cooking up in here, fam. Give me a second, pardon me. Uh, that's gross. All right. I can breathe again. Uh, is Rousey proof that even the most super of superstars are expendable? Although surely pay-per-view buys would be high for a Rousey return, there seems to be a noticeable lack of chatter around her absence. Boy, I wouldn't say that. And the UFC is apparently rolling on fine without her. That's probably true. With the return of Jones and Lesnar at 200, there is hardly a mention of Rousey or any expression of longing for her to fight again. That is not true. Is this proof that even while you're one of the biggest stars in MMA, it's truly a sport of out-of-sight, out-of-mind, and that fighters really are expendable to a promotional powerhouse like the UFC, aside from GSP, who seems to always keep his name in the mix with various rumors of return over the last few years. Well, I don't think it's at all true that no one's really talking about her. I mean, inside the MMA bubble, there's not necessarily a huge amount of discussion, but I can tell you that every time I do a radio interview uh, in any kind of sort of mainstream outlet, I get asked about Rousey every single time. There has been a massive amount of discussion about her potential return. Now, it is also true that the UFC is in a really great spot right now, um, and that they're able to, to, to keep the things rolling without her um, contributing, which is in some ways good, right? You want the machine to be able to function without them. But um, I don't think it's true that there's not a lot of chatter. And more to the point, it's, it's very easy to be like, ah, who needs Rousey when you're in the middle of this um, time when there's stars being created, there is it's a time of growth for the sport it's a time of intrigue it's a time of development you know this is a boom and bust sport i've mentioned it on this chat a number of times 
right now things are good, you know. Right now things are hot. Right now we're in a position where um, they don't even need Ronda Rousey to to keep things going. That's not going to be the case in a few years necessarily. I mean, I'm not sure how many years it's going to be, but we're going to get back to a time when it's like back to 2014 again. It's just inevitable. Stars are going to fade. They're going to fade sometimes at the same time of their careers, and you're going to be wondering, wow, who's going to fill these holes? And some of the events might not feel as big. This is this is an inevitability. Um, and then you're going to say, gee, sure would be great to have a Rousey. So the, the key is not to be like, no one cares about these stars if you're out of sight, out of mind. It is true that the, the company is big enough where they're not solely reliant upon her, but they've also got a bigger perspective here. But if you talk to them, and I think what they would probably say is, you want to keep as many stars in rotation as long as you can because um, that A, will prevent any kind of recession, and B, when you have one, you know you want to have as many stars as you can to help buoy yourself during that time or to get help, help get yourself get out of it. Um, but it would be quite foolish to be like, we don't need this person, you know. Uh, you do. You do. Oh, this is a good question. All right. Eddie Alvarez states that he doesn't believe in overtraining and that it can often be just an excuse for losses. All right. The lightweight title challenger says he has, quote, done 150 sparring rounds, live sparring rounds for this fight. I saw that. We have heard other fighters in the past believe and totally do the opposite of Alvarez. So what do you think? Can you think of examples where fighters have proven or disproven the overtraining theory? Um, well, I don't, here's what I would say about this. It's not really, it's not really up for debate. Uh, there is extensive scientific and med medical literature uh, proving that there is a point beyond which extra training confers no real benefit. Um, that's just, that's just the, that is far and away what the best medical evidence indicates and the scientific research indicates. And there's plenty of that, um, floating around tons. Okay. This is not, this is not some theory like, uh, I don't know what the equivalent would be necessary, but this is not some like spurious idea that somebody floated out that, you know, is some crank with weird ideas about the world. Right. This is not the guy who invented CrossFit who knew Jack S about sports science developing these incredibly dangerous and sometimes worthless training routines. No, this is we have extensive medical information that there's a point beyond which um, extra training either confers no benefit or raises the risk of injury. Right. He has said, well, I did 150 rounds of sparring like. The idea that, you know, and I think he also said, like, the more you do something, the more you get better at it. Okay, so 150 rounds was not overtraining for him. And let's assume that that's true. Like, he knows athletes are really good, for the most part, about knowing their own body. Now, they're also good about not listening to it, but when they, when they have an incentive to not listen to it. But um, let's assume that's true. So what about 300 rounds? Would that be overtraining for him? How about 400? How about 500? Well, training double the amount of rounds he did really confer benefit? Does he really want to argue that? What he's saying is um, there might be these benchmarks that other people float, let's say 150 rounds, that they would call overtraining. And I hit 150 and feel better than ever. So what it sounds like to me is that he's figuring out that he has some limits that he is able to push through that a lot of his contemporaries are not. And that, they, that for them, it would be overtraining 
to get there, and it's not for him. That's not the same as saying there's no such thing as overtraining. It's like saying there's no such thing as injury. You know, there's no there's no such thing as fatigue. No, there is. <laughs> These are measurable things, and there are things you can do to push yourself there. It's going to be harder to get there for others. It's going to be easier to get there for others. But absolutely, there is such a thing as, as overtraining. It's not a myth. It's not some crackpot idea, massive, extensive amount of scientific and research uh, scientific research and uh, uh, and medical science around this. This is really not up for debate. Um, the question is, what is that tipping point? What is that inflection point for him? Uh, and it turns out 150 rounds, he believes, is not the case. Now, he also needs to go out there and prove it. You know, what if he goes out there and just gases in the first round? He's like, oh, my God, I didn't, I didn't, uh, maybe I messed this up. I'm not predicting that. I'm just saying it's easy to feel good, you know, in the few, few days before the fight. You got to really, like, the, the, the debate's not over until um, fight night comes and goes. And I think he'll look final fight night. In fact, I kind of like his chances to win, but you, you get the idea. Like, this idea, there's no such thing as a, we got these guys, you know, fighters are, so when I did that, that, round table with Richard Deitch, I had mentioned that I get lied to all the time. And I was the only one on the panel who said I get lied to. This was for Sports Illustrated. And some people had noticed that, like, you're the only one who says he's lied to. And I'm like, I don't know how you can think you're not lied to. First of all, you definitely, I know for a fact, like, I talk to a lot of different people behind the scenes, and they just tell you nonsense. And they do that because they don't want you to know the truth, or maybe they're repeating things that they don't know if are true or not. But you get lied to a lot, okay? But also, just think about all the lying that athletes do to you, to themselves, to everyone around them. No no one more so than themselves. There's no such thing as ring rust. Dude, there is plenty of evidence to suggest there is ring rust. That Dominic Cruz is so mentally strong that in this rare circumstance, he's able to push through boundaries that affect virtually all other fighters is this miraculous moment. But it is the exception that proves the rule, not the one that explodes the myth overtraining is not real. We have extensive scientific literature to the, to the contrary. Now, this particular threshold might not be enough for him, but we know that there is one. We can do that. We can push through to find that. It, this, is, this is not a difficult task in terms of that. Athletes are allowed to lie to themselves. When Dominic Cruz says there's no such thing as ring rust, don't argue with him. Because in his mind and for his purposes, that might be true. In his little world, for his competitive needs, <coughs> that might be true. And when and when Eddie Alvarez says there's no such thing as really, really talking about themselves, they think they're talking about their wider world. They're just talking about themselves. It's a tr it's a form of trutherism that they buy into to boost their own performance. And that's okay. The difference is you or I should not go and then say, well, there's no such thing as ring rust. Well, there's no such thing as overtraining. There clearly is. There demonstrably is. There unequivocally is. We have seen it. We have measured it. We have studied it for not merely years, but for decades. We have decades of evidence to back up these claims. But a couple of guys are going to find ways to convince themselves as they will themselves to greatness that some of these things aren't true. They fact, they take pride in what they 
think is defying conventional wisdom. Oh, you see those limits that you are subject to? I am not subject to that, and that is why I am going to be a champion. I do not begrudge them that exercise if it's for themselves. But what you need to do as an observer and what I need to do as media is to say that's fine that they want to do that for themselves. But that's got nothing to do with the wider world. In fact, what we know about the wider world is that is fundamentally not true. It's okay if they want to say it. It's not okay if you want to repeat it. If Cormier loses, do you think he'll move back up to heavyweight and for a run at that title? No. I think he'll probably he will retire or maybe try for one third time. Light heavyweight, that's it. Uh, let's see. New Reebok color fight kits. Have you seen them? What do you think? More importantly, will you now perhaps be enticed into making a purchase? I mean, there's no way I'd ever make a purchase of that. I don't like... Reebok stuff is not good. Can we just like come to an agreement about that? It's just not good. Like whatever Reebok makes, there's no one who doesn't make... There's, there's nothing that they make that you can't find better by another apparel brand. Um, that's just a fact. Adidas's gear or Nike uh, Pro Combat or... It, it's all going to be better. It's probably going to be more stylish anyway. No, there's nothing I can do. I mean, I'm glad they finally realized that like color is necessary, but you know, this is such a a basic observation that you know, getting worked up over it is very difficult for me. I know there's nice people who work there, but I just fundamentally don't trust them to do a good job at this point. Uh, maybe you do. Fine, we'll see what happens with the next set of kits. But like everyone getting all lathered up about like, oh look, they've got color now. Great, awesome. You know, and look, Nike can go too far with their with their Nike Color Rush. Remember, they did that Bills and uh, Jets game where they had colorblind people who couldn't tell which team was which. Remember that? Okay, they can go too far, but I would rather take a. I'd rather I'd rather wear the gear of a brand that's making colorblind people go insane than one. It's like someone's in the black and white shorts, and someone else is in the white and black. Yeah, thanks. It's awesome. Great job. Hashtag Anderson Aldo. Pay-per-view record. Should UFC 200 break the pay-per-view record Saturday night? Will it be more down to some of the fighters on the card or the actual event itself? A combination of both. Normally, it's going to be down to the fighters on the card, but with a spectacle like this, with a name like this, this is a card that's been promoted a year in advance there's going to be a little bit of gravitational pull from the, from the event itself, for sure. For sure. Now, how much? I don't know. Yeah, look at this. Hunt's image in the side-by-side -side matchup page on the UFC site has him in some cooler-looking blue shorts. Wow, he's got blue shorts on. What an achievement. Wow. What way to push the envelope with design. Hey, you put on yellow shorts. Keep your ear to the grindstone, huh? 
Don Jones. Jones has stated probably wisely that he won't be moving up to heavyweight. So what will be left for him after Cormier at 205? I mean, come on. If DC loses to Jones again, does he still have enough on his resume to get into the UFC Hall of Fame? I do not know. That is a tough call. Wow. I don't know. You know, you're talking about a guy who's an elite pound-for-pound fighter, and, uh, man, that's a great question. I'm going to give that a wreck. I don't know the answer to that. I just really don't. I have to think about that. That's a tough one. Uh, small cage. Are they using the small cages on Thursday and Friday? I do not believe so because those two are in the MGM Grand, and then Saturdays is at the T-Mobile Arena, so there should be enough space for them to use the bigger ones. But I will inquire and let them know, unless you guys know. <laughs> Reebok uniform malfunctions in the cage. Seems to be a pretty high rate of clothing malfunctions with Reebok gear in the cage compared to when fighters could choose their own clothing. Have you reached out to the Reebok to see it all if they're doing anything to address it? Yeah, of course. Um, the truth is Reebok is just like learning on the job. You know, like they're literally like doing trial and error and the fighters have to pay the consequence of it. You know, Valerie Little Turnos breast popping out and god knows what else has happened uh yeah they're doing trial and error and part of that's the nature of the deal that took place that put them in that position which i don't necessarily blame them for but you know if you make that kind of stuff you're going to hear about it and that should not necessarily come as a surprise oh they're wearing blue shorts yay i mean i got some blue shorts downstairs UFC. Let me see this picture Hunt with this incredible blue shorts on. Just can't wait. Let's see. Yep, they got Hunt in some blue shorts. Wow. How remarkable. Jesus. Still got Kat Zingano in the old one. Kelvin Gastelum's got some green ones on. Look at the rest of these. And then Jim Miller has some blue ones on as well. Great. Awesome. Amazing. Good job and creating the most minimal amount of quality upgrade that anyone could imagine. Really pushing the envelope. You want to buy training gear, like legit training gear. Um, again, Nike Pro Combat makes some cool stuff. I really love Under Armour's rash guards. I think they're great. They fit really well. Um, I, I like them a lot. Scramble, if you want to pay a little extra money, Scramble makes incredible stuff. Uh, Adidas's geese are, I think, I mean, they're amazing. 
all different kinds that they make. They make lightweight. They make different kinds of weaves. Different. I mean, their their gis are tremendous. Um, if you want wrestling shoes, Nike wrestling shoes are as good as they as they can come. Really, I mean, everyone loves Asics, but they're really not much better than the Nikes. Nike's a little bit cheaper, depending on what you want. Um, if you need shorts, Sprawl makes good shorts. Like these are companies that have been doing this for a long time that understand the needs really well, even if they're much smaller manufacturers. <laughs> Just it's amazing when I buy them if they put color in them. You gonna buy these pants now that they got a zipper? No, you you should have had a zipper a long time ago. By the way, somebody got mad at me the other day because they said when I'm mocking someone, I automatically resort to a southern accent, and that that wouldn't necessarily be fair. And that's a somewhat true argument. Uh, but I grew up in the south of Georgia. Not by choice, and uh, I can tell you that there is a special kind of idiot there that has clearly made an impression on me that uh, I can't help but conjure when thinking of people who say bad things. All right. Look into the future of fighters on the coming cards. We have several life-changing moments. Number one, will DC retire if he loses to Jones? I think it's very possible. Two, will Aldo either retire or ever be champion again if he loses to Edgar? I think both are – I would not be surprised if he retired, if he loses to Edgar. Uh, will Nelson ever be a force at the top of the heavyweight division if he loses to Lewis? I mean, he's not going to be a force with or without losing to Lewis. Will Brown or Velasquez ever be a force at the top of the division following a loss in their fight? If Velasquez loses, I don't know. If Brown loses, it's less of an issue to me. Will Gadelia be champion if she loses to Ian Jacek? I think she still can. Will Alvarez ever be a contender again if he loses to RDA? Yes. And will Duffy ever be a contender if he loses this fight? Now, if Duffy loses, I don't know. Because Duffy should handle Mitch Clark. But we'll see. GSP, it seems news about him has briefly stopped coming out. Do you think the UFC is holding him back in order to announce his return this week at any event? Seems very possible. Um... Also, with some momentum behind uh, Bisping versus Henderson, maybe he's having to rethink, you know, what's possible for him. Maybe they, if McGregor wins again against Diaz, you know, they'll announce something like they tried to do previously. Tried to do previously. Um, so we'll see, but definitely keep your eyes peeled. If I were you, yeah. Is Ronda Rousey going to be in attendance to support Travis Brown? I have no idea. But I'll let you guys know if I see her. How about that? Uh, upsets. Luke, quick one. Your upset picks for any fight this week. Um, let me look at the odds for just one of these. Well, Aldo Edgar is a pick em, but I like Edgar. And I like Alvarez to beat Dos Anjos. So, there you go. Does it make more sense to add a women's flyweight or featherweight division? It makes more sense to add flyweight. But I don't think featherweight is necessarily too far away. 
Now, it, it would be incredibly weak, but I don't think that that's the craziest thing ever either. You've got some upcoming prospects, uh, Megan Anderson, for example, um, who could lead that division. Now, I don't know how much of a threat they would be for Cyborg, but nevertheless, they could do something with him, with it. Um, but probably at this juncture, 125 makes more sense, right? Because you're splitting the difference between these two other divisions. And remember, you know, I don't think Adam White is necessarily that far away either. Featherweight only makes sense at this point in the context of what it would mean for preserving Cyborg's opportunity to compete in the Octagon, but um, it is possible to do. Rory McDonald, free agent. From what I've heard, guys like Bendo and Mitrion are making bags of cash in Bellator. And with Rory coming off two losses, what do you think we can look forward to for him? Is jumping ship while he's still young to go practice on some lesser yet still pretty good competition a good move with the intent to come back for a vengeance like like LeBron joining a super team and then going back to Cleveland or will he simply use the leverage to negotiate the best possible UFC contract I don't think the UFC is going to let him go but I I wonder you know I it's hard to say it's hard to say maybe what the UFC will do well find a way to drive his price up so that Bellator overpays for him. That's a possibility. Um, you know, he just had a baby girl. How much of that is going to factor into him making this a, a, a financial decision? Um, the fact that Bellator wants him still works in his favor to get a more favorable contract with the UFC. That's really hard to say. You know, hopefully I'll see someone from his camp this week and I can talk to them about it to see where it would have, what a major priority is for him. But um, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. It's tough. It's a tough question to answer without really having more inside information, unfortunately. All right. Championship fights from Tate versus Nunez, RDA versus Alvarez, and Yoana versus Claudia. Which of these belts changes hands, if any? I think in two of the three is possible. RDA and Alvarez, and then Joanna versus Claudia. I don't know how likely that is in Tate versus Nunez. I could see Tate taking a beating early and then coming right back and storming back, which she does frequently uh, while Nunes fades. I just I feel like Tate's just kind of a bad matchup in that regard. The Luke Thomas cam. For the love of God, can you please record your reaction when watching the big fights for UFC 200? You don't have to make it a well-organized production or anything, but just to see your face during a flash KO or sub would make me very happy. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I'll be on Facebook Live on my own page and on the MMA Fighting page probably to some extent uh, starting tomorrow. So look out for that. Oh, Jesus, really? I'm going to read this question just because it's hilarious. Do you got a big one, Luke? <laughs> you look like the type of guy that has a wife with zero complaints. All right. Moving on. Frankie Edgar versus Mighty Mouse at 135. Edgar, the size difference. 
Prime Dan Henderson versus Prime Nick Diaz. I would say Prime Nick Diaz. Only because Nick Diaz is impossible to hurt, it seems. Or hard to hurt for very long, anyway. I mean, Daly dropped him, right? But what does that mean? Give me a second, guys. Hold on. Sorry. All right. That's gross. And I know you're all mad at me about it, and I'm sorry. I don't know what else to do. Luke, is it just a little bit too much this week? Tour de France. I mean, who gives an F about the Tour de France? European football. Europeans think it's funny when they call American football hand egg. It's it's a real lame zing, just so y'all know. I mean, there's plenty of insults to make about American football, but calling it hand egg, you sound like someone's out-of-touch grandmother, just to be clear about that. Championship finals, three UFC events, press conferences, etc. I have just filled up my fridge and closed the curtains. Enjoy. But find a better zing than calling American football hand egg. <laughs> I mean, I mean, did you get that from the dork who calls himself a mathlete too? My God, what a terrible zing. TV deal. There has been a lot of talk about NBA free agency frenzy due to the huge TV deal, but do you think ESPN and TNT overpaid? They might have. That being said, what's it? What is the market looking like for the next UFC deal? What are your predictions for how and where we'll be watching events leading up to UFC 300? I think there's a very strong possibility that ESPN will pick up some of that, although we'll see. Um, I think they'll certainly make a push for it. I don't think things are nearly as rosy between UFC and Fox as some are led to believe. I know UFC has a strong inclination to want to be on uh, uh, ESPN. Um, the question for me is not that. The question for me is what, like, what, what is a, what is a fighter right now thinking when you're looking at? I mean, what did you know? You hang on, hold on a sec. What did Timothy Mozgov get? That's some stupid deal. Best verticality in the league. What a joke. Mozgov got a four-year, $64 million offer. Now, he's a big at a time when it's rare to find some bigs, and he's pretty athletic. What did he, what did he average last season? Four points a game? He had very few playing minutes. Four-year, $64 million deal? If you're a fighter right now and you're looking around, you're, you're saying to yourself, how are these NBA, NBA guys getting paid? They're getting paid because they get half of that TV deal. They get half of that TV deal. The TV deal is a money maker for them. Massive, huge. Now, did ESPN and TNT overpay for this tremendous new deal? I mean, we're going to find out as people continue to cut the cord whether or not that was a wise financial investment. However... To me, that's very separate from the idea of they're getting this money because they have a CBA that allows them to get half of everything the the, the teams draw, pull in and draw, and uh, which includes the TV deal. The UFC did not have the biggest TV deal ever, although they had a, a good first one with Fox that for seven hundred uh, roughly seven hundred million or whatever it was exactly. Uh, <coughs> If they imagine if they signed 
um, some massive TV deal, right? Imagine it's not some just gigantic TV deal and the fighters don't get a penny of it. You know, I, what I want to see is the look on their faces. You know, you guys love to not do anything about working together despite everyone. I mean, I know it's an incredibly difficult task to do. I understand that. But there are small steps everyone could be making about finding ways to, you know, collectively leverage. And they don't want to do any of it. And they are just pissing money away. Uh, it's it's amazing. And you've got Timothy Mozgov at four years and $64 million playing for a storied franchise. I mean, they suck now, but a storied franchise in the Los Angeles Lakers. That is shocking, shocking amount of money. Someone says, you look terrible. Yes, I know. Luke, you need to get lice. So when I accidentally Google Luke Thomas lice chat, it's accurate for once. All right. Luke, you've said that your producer has been on point with predictions. Who is she picking, Jones or Cormier? She is picking Jones. Unless she changed it recently. I don't know about it. Why is no one speaking about a 230 or 235-pound weight category? because there's no one to put in it. Every so often, this like idea for a cruiserweight division surfaces, and every time it's the same response. There just isn't enough guys that you can bleed from both divisions and still retain a light heavyweight and a heavyweight division. There's no need for cruiserweight. We're, like, we're not dying for it. If you're 240 pounds and you don't want to get down to 205, then just fight at 240 pounds. You'll be okay. Will you be a full zombie by UFC 200? No, I'll be better by tomorrow. <laughs> Will Messi be playing five aside behind bars? He got convicted of tax fraud, but he's not going to serve any jail, it looks like. Good luck to the person sitting beside you on the plane, Luke. You look terrible. Yeah, I do look terrible. What am I supposed to do? Cancel my flight? You're just going to get Zika. What can I do? Uh, Brock versus She-Gorilla is the best question in live chat history. So Sean Sheehan tweeted me something about a dude managed to fight off a black bear in the forest. Now, as I mentioned before, in the previous gorilla versus bear talk, I don't think a gorilla would necessarily beat a polar or a grizzly bear, which are these enormous bears, okay? But a black bear or a brown bear, I think a gorilla could handle it. And now we have scientific evidence. <laughs> Not the same kind of evidence as overtraining, but some kind of evidence that a human person can fight off a brown bear if the need arises. If that's the case, then if Harambe was still, still alive, and you teach him to sign, you know, whatever, Harambe, go choke that bear. I bet he could do it. I bet he could do it before the bear could get him. I, I believe in the power of the gorilla. I really do. 
Here it is, man versus beast. Gymnast versus orangutan. Yo, this orangutan beats the beats the brakes off this gymnast. Dude, dude, they got this orangutan next to this like bricked up gymnast. It's a dead hang. Bro, this this orangutan will smoke you. This orangutan is literally like just knitting a sweater with his opposable thumbs on his feet. The orangutan is urinating. Well, still, there's one where they race across this apparatus and the orangutan just absolutely smashes him to pieces. All right, let's see. Luke, if your military experience was anything like mine, you've had a lot of battlefield casualty care training. I mean, I've had my fair share of it. This usually includes the use of IVs for rehydration and maintaining adequate blood pressure in wounded personnel. Maybe you've had similar experiences, but during numerous field training events, accompanying combat medics and combat lifesavers will always use some variation of the following as an incentive to drink water to avoid becoming a heat casualty. I have shaky hands and can't stick a flat vein. So if you drop and I can't stick you, we will give you this cold bag of saline as an enema. It works quicker if I step on the bag. Minus the stepping on the bag part, this is actually an effective form of rehydration. Water is absorbed rapidly through the large intestine. Okay, where are you going with this, dude? Now I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. No, I don't. But with the USADA IV rehydration ban, could we call fighters who use this unorthodox rehydration method cheaters? Are you asking me if you use an enema rehydration are you cheating <laughs> seriously people are asking me questions on this live chat about animal fights my genitals and enema rehydrations we have really lost our way as a as a unit here while i why hawk snot everywhere all over my house Question, UFC Fight Week 2016, the biggest event in combat sports history? Question mark. UFC Fight Week, Fight Week 2016 may be the best fight week we will see in many years to come, not only because of 200, but because there has been no injuries, or not many. Are we witnessing the biggest week in combat sports history? I think it's one of the bigger ones, for sure, um, for mixed martial arts. Obviously, you know, nothing has ever really compared to Mayweather Pacquiao um, in terms of just one event having an incredible size. I also think by the time that UFC 202 gets here, that will be bigger. Uh, at least in, it will feel like this in look it's one thing to have you know event 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 that's it's that's a different kind of task 
than assembling one event that is so huge. Okay. And UFC 200 is, is, is a great, great first rate top of the food chain kind of event uh, under any circumstance. But I, I think McGregor Diaz too is going to feel bigger by the time it gets here. I'm already seeing enough where it's like that really sort of became something I never thought it'd ever become. And it has, and this feels like, you know, we've assembled different parts to make something kind of interesting. It feels like um, someone made a good dish on Chopped. You ever seen that show? They'll be like, all right, you've got uh, tilapia, black licorice, garlic, and kumquats. 30 minutes on the clock, make something savory. And 99% of the time, they come out with this food that's terrible. But, like, every once in a while, they'll make this pretty incredible dish. It just feels like we sort of assembled different parts and what we have is not necessarily greater than the sum of its parts. Whereas with Diaz and McGregor 2, it has this incredible burst of energy that just has this major halo effect on everything. This one feels a little bit different. Although, again, I'm not criticizing it. I'm just sort of saying I think 202 is going to be bigger. Uh, Brock Lesnar's weight. I haven't seen anything about this anywhere. I'm assuming he had to lose and cut weight. Do you know how much and do you think this is going to have an effect? My understanding was in the previous run of UFC, he would walk around basically 280 or maybe as high as 285 and they would lose weight generally and then cut the rest no, no more than 5 to 10 pounds. But remember, if you're 280 or let's say 270, and you have to cut 5 pounds. That's especially for a guy who sweats like you know Patrick Ewing game 7 like Brock Lesnar does, uh, like me at the beginning of this live chat. Um, that should not be too much of an issue. All right, let's check out some of these Twitter questions from the hashtag chat wrappers, if we can. All right. Today's chat might be the best ever. Gorillas, enemas, and bears. Oh, my. All right. Should all MMA weight classes bump up five pounds? No. Tim Kennedy has been teasing about his upcoming fight. Who is he fighting? I don't know. I'll have to find out. I'll ask around. Dan Hardy were to make his octagon return this year. Who would be a good opponent for him? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, well, somebody at 170, you know, I don't know, someone off of an ultimate fighter or something like that because he's been gone so long. He's probably been a real degradation in his ability. True or false? Rick Story beats Cerrone via TKO. Yes, because of the bodywork. I mentioned that earlier. Are Eddie Alvarez and Dos Anjos fighting for their legacies? In a way, they are, yes. With a win, where do they rank lightweight all time? Eddie Alvarez can put himself into some rarefied air. You beat the previous UFC champ. You beat the previous Strike Force champ. You were the Bellator champ. You've beaten the previous WEC champ, too. Same guy in Pettis. And now you can become the UFC champ. That would be one hell of an achievement, man. One hell of an achievement. Is it true that Brock Lesnar will be using his WWE entrance music for his walkout music at UFC 200? That is what I've heard. I have no idea if that's true. Luke, do you think UFC 200 will surpass 100's by rate of 1.6 million? No, but I think it'll be very, very, very good. I think it'll be very good. They say journalists must get used to rejection. Is that something you found to be true? Yes. 
Does it feel odd to have the biggest fight week and card of the year without the biggest star, Conor McGregor? No, it does not. What do you think of using EBI rules for all grappling tournaments? I absolutely hate it. All y'all who talked a gang of ass about how great the EBI rules are, and I like them. I like the EBI rules. I do not dislike them in any way whatsoever. I do not find them to be so supremely interesting that, that we should change how everything else is done. Did any of you watch the the IBJJF uh, tournament? Bet you didn't. Bet you'll find that that, the, that action there is incredible. I challenge anybody, anybody who's like, the EBI rules are better. The EBI rules are great. I love them. I think they're awesome. I think it's absurd to argue that the point system is, you know, prima facie bad. It is so not. Bad referees can make a, a flawed rule system even worse, but um, I like the point system. I think it's great. I have no problem with it. And if other tournaments don't want to use it and they want to use EBI rules, cool, let them. But there should be both. Will the losers of Gomi versus Miller and Diego versus Lausanne have to think about retirement? I don't think it'll be that far away. The live chat has turned into the Joe Rogan experience. I don't think that's true. Is the damage Edgar has taken in fights exaggerated? Uh, no, it's not. I, I rewatched the second. I think it would be, uh, yes, the second Edgar versus um, Maynard fight. Uh, I mean, my man's taking some shots. So he says no real damage taken outside of Maynard and Bendo fights. Sort of. All the, all the camp damage too, right? True or false? After again claiming that he's fixed his diet, Hendricks later talks about his difficult weight cut. Probably true. True or false? In his post-fight interview, Northcutt thanks the UFC and Mr. White for putting him on UFC 200, of course. Maynard calls it quits after a depressing loss to Fernando Bruno on Friday. Probably. If a gorilla tried to rear naked choke a bear, could it even maintain back control? I bet you it could. Would it have to use a bulldog choke? Maybe that would be better, but I bet you it could. Someone says, go to bed, you're sick. No rest for the weary dog. Hearing anything new in the UFC sale? No, but it's not a beat I've been trying to follow either. If the UFC decided to avoid the Alley Act by making fighters into employees, how would that process play out? I'd have to do a little, a little bit more research, but my understanding is that Representative Mullen has essentially offered that as an alternative, that if they want to become a league, now a league would have um, some kind of federal designation, like, uh, the, for example, the NFL has um, the, the, has the, it is federally allowed to be a monopoly under certain strict conditions. Um, I wonder if they would allow that for the UFC if it decided to become a league and if if that would be required. I'm not entirely clear about that. Again, these are some things I'll look into. But um, but my understanding is if that were the case, at a minimum, he would withdraw the legislation from the, from the process. So it would no longer be relevant. And there might be other legislation that would have to get pushed forward to uh, make it all work. But essentially, the legislation as we currently understand it uh, would no longer be relevant. He would he would he would withdraw it
I don't think I've ever heard how and why did you get into MMA journalism? Absolutely by accident. Um, to keep a long story as short as humanly possible, uh, I got into it because I looked around and I didn't see the way in which online discussion of the sport looked like a discussion of any other kind of topic online from sports to politics to anything. I just didn't feel like there was a robust kind of discussion in the way I wanted to have it um, in terms of political blogging, but blogging really. Um, I always sort of admired how Andrew Sullivan did it. This is not to say I endorse his worldview. There are a lot of things I think he's absolutely bat s crazy on, but if you go back and you read the dish and how he blogged and the style of blogging and the way in which he did it, um, I wanted to take that and put it into MMA because I thought there was nothing like that in MMA. Uh, now that's not a very original idea of mine, but I knew that it was different from what anyone else was trying and, uh, it worked, it worked. Now it has changed significantly since then. I have sort of come up with my own style of things, but nevertheless, um, uh, that just took off. There was an audience for that. I don't know how to say it. And so it sort of became something else, but the long story short is around 2005 or six, um, doesn't f- no, not 2004, but 2005, I was looking to write about it in a way that uh, no one was writing about it. And turns out when you bring something to it that no one else was doing, it worked. Is any top fighter looking at more potential rematches than Rockhold? Jacare, Weidman, Bisping could also include Belfort. True. Good point. What are your thoughts on Ensign Inouye demoting himself to purple belt? Yeah, if you guys didn't see this, Ensign Inouye dropped himself. I'm not sure if he was brown or black, but he dropped himself to purple belt, um, you know, for all kinds of reasons, but essentially because he he didn't feel like he was deserving to maintain that rank. Uh, I've seen people do this before. I've actually seen it before. I saw someone drop themselves from purple back to blue, and they were blue for like three years after that. Like they were blue for a long time. And I thought they were like, I didn't really question. They had come from a different school with a purple belt. And I didn't really question that. I thought they were like a legit purple, but uh, he didn't. And he pushed himself back to blue. And then once he got purple, he was purple for like a year and got brown. And I think he's black belt now. This was, this was, this was like 10 years ago. Um, so I've actually seen it done. I admire people who do that, man. And and incidentally, is a warrior, a warrior of the, I mean, deserving of the word in ways very few people are. Edson Inouye has one of my favorite all-time quotes in MMA. Um, Just once in your life, train with the will to die. Um, Man, Edson, Edson Inouye, you know, we're talking about a guy at the front of the battlefield a century ago, right? Swinging an axe. That's who that guy is. Uh, so I've seen it done, and I have a lot of respect for guys who want to be honest with themselves or they don't feel like they're deserving and they want to re-earn things. Um, you know, I wouldn't want people to make a habit out of it, but I think I trust Ensign in a way to make a proper self-evaluation. And, you know, he's a he's a real – Ensign in a way is not merely a warrior. Ensign in a way is a real, living, breathing, died-in-the-wool, true martial artist. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. That is the life he lives. And there are not many real martial artists. Uh, I certainly am not one. You know, in a way that, if Ensign Inouye is one, I am not that. (laughs) I mean, any one of us can go to 
Muay Thai. Any one of us can go to jiu-jitsu. Any one of us can go take MMA classes. That does not make you a martial artist. Ensign anyway is. You know, this 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 in this constant self-reflection, this constant willing himself to, to greatness, the the living by a code and a set of ethics, um, driven both by personal development as well as altruism, as well as um, respect for tradition. Like he's a real, a real martial artist, man. I have a lot of respect and a lot of nice things to say about Vincent in a way. Do you believe that Brock has only trained five weeks for this fight like he alluded to? Probably so. Probably so, yeah. What champs are the most susceptible to losing this weekend? We've been over this already. What would be the bigger upset? Brock winning by KO on his feet or Cormier winning in the first? Definitely Cormier winning in the first. Brock winning would be shocking and fun and weird, but it's heavyweight. Brock broke Heath Herring's face with a punch. Like Melvin Manhoff hits like a ton of bricks, but he slept Mark Hunt before. It wouldn't be necessary. I mean, it would be unlikely as hell for Mark uh, Hunt to lose that way, but it wouldn't be as crazy as a guy who's barely ever lost a round or two in John Jones to just get smashed in the first. That would be that would be all time crazy bat s shocking. Uh, let's see. You think Connor will come back to featherweight division after winning or losing to Diaz? I think if he loses to Diaz, he might. I don't know if he wins. If you could have any UFC title change hands in the coming months, which one would you choose and why? No, I, I don't think of the sport in that way at all. Not counting 200, how would you rank the UFC cards that are happening this month from RDA to 201? Uh, 201, probably not that high. Uh, so UFC 200, Fox card. I guess 201 after that. Um, and then, you know, you can shuffle around Ultimate Fighter 90 and Tough 23 finale and stuff. Joanna become the first division champ if women's flyweight is introduced formally. I mean, I need to see who the other participants were, right? Hard to make that call right up front. <coughs> Would a loss at UFC 200 for Kat Zingano effectively end her prospects considering the nature of her loss to Rousey? No, because I think she can rebuild. and She's been gone a long time, so there may still be some ring rust issues she's dealing with this weekend that we need to take into consideration. I, I wouldn't be quick to uh, dismiss her. Ah. Let's see. <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, Joanne Calderwood, the most dangerous and cruel person in the world among people with childish voices. <laughs> Her and Paige Van Zant. Oh, man, I got to do one more. Then I got to I gotta go wash my face. God, I'm dying. Do one more. You are always sick. I'm rarely sick. I get sick twice a year. I get allergies a lot. Any plans on how to manage the Monday Morning Analyst podcast after so many fights and events? Stay tuned. I got something planned for you guys. Uh, let's see. 
Any updates regarding the MMA media union? I would just say maybe stay tuned without confirming anything. There's one more I can just spit out and be done with this. Bruh, I feel your pain. We get a GD antihistamine. All right, Luke, when are we going to get uh, Luke Thomas t-shirts? I should get mock-ups in a week. I'll let you know after that. All right, I got to go because I'm just dying over here. I'm so sorry about looking like I had uh, a communicable disease. That I, um, You guys are great. Uh, I got to go hop on a bird in Baltimore. Uh, there's going to be tons of coverage all day for MMA fighting, okay? There are weigh-ins. There are uh, workouts. There are pressers. Stay tuned. Look out for Facebook Live videos that where you can get on the MMA fighting uh, Facebook page. If you don't, have you haven't liked it already, go do that. We're going to be doing live video wrap-ups all week long, before events, after events, at night. Tons and tons of content coming your way. Uh, there is no Luke Thomas show today. It'll be tomorrow, Friday, and Saturday. Um, all pre-fight shows, so be on the lookout for that. But stay tuned for that Facebook stuff we're going to do for you guys on MMA Fighting's page. Lots and lots of fun things planned. Ariel's going to be there. Mark's there. Sean's there. I'll be there. The creative duo and Kester, uh, AC and Casey and Esther will be there. Tons of people are going to be there. You should be there, too. If you see me in Las Vegas, don't be weird, but come say hi. And I promise not to give you Zika virus. All right? Thank you guys so much for watching. Give it a thumbs up. And until next time, you know what to do. Stay frosty.